Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point Virtual Church. We are so glad that you are here with us today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter 2. We'll be in verses 11 through 21 today. So Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. Uh, I'm super grateful for the announcement from Daniel. Uh, They've just been so faithful with with Camp uh, Julian Oaks. And so just a wonderful ministry for these, uh, these kids that are in from like the foster care system and going through really difficult times. It's a, it's a ministry that really does provide tangible love and displays just the love of Christ to them in, in really difficult times. And so I, I am super uh, just thankful for that ministry and, and for those that participate in it and encourage you if you want to get involved to, to talk to Daniel or, or uh, you know, email him or call him and just, just figure out what they're doing and see if it's something that would be a good fit for you. So I'd encourage you to do that. Um, also, Dinner 8, if you're interested in Dinner 8, go ahead and uh, send Melanie an email and she'll put you on your list, on her put you on her list, and I think we're going to get going on that pretty soon. Um, we have a bit of an extended uh, in, uh, introduction today, not so much dealing with the text, but, but today is one of those days that, that's an anniversary day that's significant, and so it, it's, uh, I feel compelled to, to talk and to share a little bit um, on this day. So this day marks the one-year anniversary of when we stopped having services. So a year ago this Sunday, um, we, we, we didn't have church that Sunday. For the first time that I'm aware of, that we as a congregation in 70 years did not have a church service on a Sunday since, since really our, our founding um, certainly in my tenure here of 14 years, or at the time it was like 13 years, we had never not had a, a church on Sunday. And so um, I thought it would be a good day to sort of remember and reflect on all that God has done on this year. Uh, there, there have certainly been hard things related to the COVID response uh, and hard things just because we're human and we, we live and we die and we go through suffering and trials. And so every year there's always, there's always difficulty. But God has been very good to us as a congregation and I'm super uh, thankful for all that he has done in, in my life and in our, in our church's life. And I'm excited to see what he is ultimately going to do uh, through this season. In this time, there are there are two parts, and kind of easing in. This is this first part's difficult uh, because with the year anniversary. So this means that today, it's the fifty third Sunday since COVID uh, shut us down that first Sunday, and then we didn't have church services for the for really the the first Sunday, and then by the second Sunday. Um, we started doing the video services, and then in I think it was May that we resumed uh, in-person worship and continued the the online format of these videos. And so, just reflecting on this, I you know the, the two parts: there's exhortation and then there's gratitude. And so, the the first part is difficult because I do feel like 
um, that as a shepherd of this congregation, that I, I, I do have a responsibility to nudge and to poke and to prod and, 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 and to challenge you at times. Uh, in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, I read there, it's, it's speaking about pastors, uh, for they watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And so if you're watching this sermon online and you view Grace Point Church as your home church, uh, the Bible makes it clear to me that I'm going to give an account for your souls. Now, <laughs> I, I don't know that that's necessarily fair. Um, I don't know that I'm going to give an account for how you behave, but I, I think I'm going to give an account for the information that I pass on to you um, while you are under sort of the, the ministry that I've been called to sort of shepherd. Um, so I, I have a responsibility, number one, to speak truth into your life, and I'm going to give an account for your souls. And then the second thing from Hebrews this last year that has really stood out to me is, is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. It says, let us consider how to stimulate one another. Now, this word stimulate could be agitate, provoke. It's, it's, it's a harsh, aggressive word. Uh, literally, you could translate it like to, to kick one another in the pants, like that we need to shake each other up to keep each other on course. The author goes on to say how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds, not forsaking our assembling together as is the habit of some. And so the early church, the, all through the Bible, the, the church, the assembly, it means the gathering, that, that we are called by God to gather in person with one another. That is the church. Um, and so I have a responsibility here to, to, to nudge you, especially I think those that have been away for a year now, like like today marks, if you haven't been in church because of COVID, today is the one year anniversary that you have not been in church. Um, and that's a, that's a sobering thing. The Bible makes it very clear that assembling in person is, is a very high priority for followers of Jesus, um, even with the risk. And, and throughout history, the, the early church met with risk. Around the world, people, there are Christians who, who gather for fear that they might be executed for their gathering, but they continue to, to gather. And so we do this video recording, not because I think it's... Ne- never ha- have I been sort of aiming and seeking to create a video service, um, this video service has been has been done uh, really because of this the these extraordinary times that we're in with COVID, <clears throat> and certainly there are um, legitimate reasons why why people are are not gathering, um, and so I'm not necessarily saying that it's ending anytime soon. The video, like we're going to continue, it's working right now. Uh, but, but eventually, we will discontinue the video portion because theologically, we believe that that we we need to be together, and so um, the audio will be made available one day. I don't even know what the, it might be another year from now. I, I just don't like. I'm just not sure. This um, this format is is not ideal. It's it's not. 
um, what I think we're supposed to be doing. I think we're supposed to be gathering. And so, again, I do think that there are valid reasons, but I do want to challenge you um, to consider your reasons. Why are you not gathering uh, with us as a, as a body on Sundays? Now, some of you are, are, are away and you don't live here. Some of you are, are like physically can't, and there are legitimate health reasons for uh, some elderly people. Um, but, but my question to you is, well, what are you doing during the week um, right, right now? Are you grocery shopping? Are you going to the mall? Are you uh, participating in sports and activities with other people? Are you, do, are you doing things? And if you're doing other things, but you're not coming to church, the question is, is well, why is that? Uh, we gather outside, there, there are people in lawn chairs who sit far away. Cer- certainly, it's a safe environment. Um, you can literally grab a lawn chair and you can, you can sit 50 yards away and still be able to hear and participate. Um, and, and so, my aim is not to make anybody feel guilty, but I do feel like I have a biblical obligation on this year anniversary, to, to challenge possibly some. And it's really between you and God, but for you to really ask the question, like, why am I not in church? Something that God really, in his word, has commanded us to do is to, is to gather. Um, with, without any sort of, you know, safety, uh, fear of like life and death. like these aren't things that God says, okay, if you're nervous about something, then don't come. Like it's really clear in his word that we, we are to gather and we're to be together as a, as a body. And so I, I just really, my, my prayer is that you would, um, you know, take that to heart and pray and ask God, why is it that you're not home? And there might be a, a valid reason why you're not here. But if there maybe isn't a valid reason, I'd encourage you to pray about it, and then to return. We would love to see you. The second part is, is uh, my heart is filled with gratitude over this last year. Uh, I am deeply grateful for our body. Last year was super scary for all of us, um, just not knowing. Personally, like everybody has, uh, you know, how is their career going to hold up their jobs? Like some sectors were hit really hard. Um, working for a church where, like, literally, like my livelihood is comes through donations of people, and and so there was a lot of fear early on, and just to see how God um, cared for me and my family, for Melanie, um, He cared f- for us through. The, the giving of our congregation, and and I'm just deeply grateful for his provision through all of you. And, and my faith and trust in him have, have grown tremendously over this last year. Uh, all, in addition, God has done like just amazing things within our body. We've had some really hard things this year outside of COVID, uh, we've had six deaths, and we have uh, we've had cancer going through some of uh, of our body uh, and extended family within the congregation, and we've seen him work through our trials in amazing ways. And so I'm just so encouraged by what he's doing. 
God is moving in a very special way for his name's sake within our congregation. If you've been away for a year and you come back, you're going to be kind of like a stranger because our church has really multiplied. Like people have come to know Christ in our community. Like it's been just a a, a wonderful uh, season for us. I would like to share an email that I received. Um, I, I I asked if I could share it anonymously by the person, and they said that they I could share it. And the email came into the church in July of last year. And the email came into the church email, just sort of the contact email. It was during a a, a time when I was going through a really difficult time. It was one of the low points of of the COVID thing, just the strain for for me in navigating uh, what we were going through. And so this email came through, and this is what the email said. Uh, Good morning. My name is, I felt blank, (laughs) And I am looking to attend service this weekend. If there are any spots available for the public, I am new to the church and I have been following Grace Point services on YouTube since the pandemic started. I'm relatively new to attending church and have only been to a handful of services in my life, never really uh, feeling like any of the churches I attended were a good home for me. As I've been watching virtual church, I have really felt like I found a church and a pastor that fit. Pastor Gunner's sermons are easy to follow and have helped me not only understand the Bible's teachings slash text, but their real-world application. And I would love to be able to attend a live service. If this is a possibility, please let me know. If not, I look forward to the day when I can come in person. This is just one story that sort of encapsulates what's going on in the lives of, of many people. For me, it, it was such a huge encouragement because it was a really dark spot of, of navigating some difficult and painful things. And this email came in, and it just was a, it served as a reminder to me to look up and see all that God is doing. Uh, I am deeply, deeply grateful uh, for what God has done through COVID and the life that he is bearing and the fruit that he is bearing here at Grace Point Church. Um, today at church, we're celebrating with Peterson's Donuts. Uh, maybe you can swing on by afterwards. If you're watching this, come on by. There'll be plenty of donuts. We're going to kind of celebrate uh, what, what God has done. I'm so grateful for, the, for those that have made this year go so well. Thinking back a year ago to... Um, cross-connection and, and helping us put together the videos early on. Uh, I think about Don, back to those days, taking off work and coming in on a Thursday to make sure that he, we, he would participate with worship. Uh, just the whole worship team. The Arnold family has made sound available outside just in an amazing way. Like they, they have been a huge blessing to our congregation. The worship team, the Reddings, help set up and provide shade. And really, everybody with breaking, breaking down during the week. And so my heart is truly uh, filled with gratitude. Um, okay, we're going to get in the text. And I, as we get to the text, we have a lot to cover. I got to go quick. Um, I know we're short on time because of this, this lengthy introduction. But I just am so grateful for what God has been doing and is doing in our congregation um, uh, after that first Sunday, I kind of gave the this is what's going on, and the next Sunday I didn't know what to do. Where we do a special teaching, or like I just, I really didn't know. 
And Heidi Rouse had reached out to me, and she just was like, you know, just get back to the Word, get back to Mark, so that we can have some normalcy in the midst of the chaos. And so that's what we're going to do now. We're going to get into the Word. Uh, I'm going to have to go quickly, uh, because I took so much time sort of uh, doing the two things, exhorting and, and just giving thanks. And so I do, we really do want you back. We, we long to have you gathered together with us again in person, uh, because without you, we're incomplete. And so we are called to be together, to worship together with one another. Uh, I am grateful for all that God is doing. And so with that, let's pray, and then we'll get into our passage. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you've done over this last year. Father, we look to you and ask that you would lead us, that you would guide us in this upcoming year. Uh, Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you that we don't have to live in fear, that we our lives are in your hands. And, and if you want us to be here, we're here. And if you want to take us home to be with you in glory, you'll do that. And so, we pray, Father, that you would help us just to walk in trust and in confidence and, and knowing that you are in control. We pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us today through this passage, and it's in Christ's good name I pray, amen. All right, Galatians chapter 11, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men... From James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw and to hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified <clears throat> by the works of the law through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. But if, while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly." And Father, we do thank you for your word. We ask that you would help us now. And it's in his good name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so by way of review, in the last couple of weeks, we've learned about Paul's former life uh, in Judaism, how he, he lived there, his conversion, and uh, basically his time with Peter when Peter affirmed 
his ministry and 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 the life of Titus and they they the right hand of of partnership that they they shook hands they were in it together they they were in unison there was there was no uh, distinction between their two gospels there were there were no two different groups there was not uh, the Jewish believers and the Greek believers they were one in Christ and so now. Paul begins to continue sort of some of the controversy that may be happening in his midst, that, that some things that occurred that might have helped the case of the Judaizers. And so Paul brings up this incident with Cephas, who is Peter. And he says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. And so we don't really know when this visit was. We think that after this first, this, this second visit that Paul made to Jerusalem, that when he went back to Antioch, we, they think that maybe Peter went with him. They, they don't really know. But when he made this trip to Antioch, Paul says that he opposed him to his face. Uh, he confronted him face to face, and he needed to oppose him because Peter actually stood condemned. And so I think that this demonstrates a mutual respect between these two men. Here's this, this great figure, Paul, this great figure, uh, Peter, and they're kind of, well, I don't know if Peter's pushing back, but we know that Peter goes, Paul goes after Peter. Paul goes after Peter. And Paul says, I, I, I opposed him to his face. What he was doing was wrong. He stood condemned. Verse 12, for prior to the coming of some men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw and separate himself, fearing those from the circumcision. So now we've sort of transitioned up to this point. We've talked a lot about circumcision and uncircumcision and the distinction between these two groups. Now Paul moves from food, circumcision to food. Uh, there were certain items that a Jew could not eat, non-kosher food. And the, the Greeks were not under those stipulations, so they had a whole category of food that could have been sacrificed to idols, all sorts of stuff, different categories of food. Um, and we're told here that for prior to coming of some men from James, he, that's Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. So Peter would, went, hung out with the Gentiles, he, he interacted with them, it was like a lovely experience, and they just had a wonderful time of fellowshipping. Then some men from James came. We believe it was the Jewish contingency. This Jewish believing contingency came, and all of a sudden, Peter changed. But when they came, he began to withdraw and separate himself, fearing those from the circumcision. So Peter is hanging out with the Gentiles. He's having a wonderful time. He's rejoicing in all that God is doing in their lives. He's celebrating with Paul. Some Jewish guys come. Then all of a sudden, he sort of is like, okay, I'm, I need to get out of here. I need to separate myself. I need to put a line in the sand. And he began to separate himself. And Peter, he used to act one way, and Paul says that he began to act another way. And his, his change in behavior, this, it was not out of a theological belief. It wasn't out of his his own conviction, or his own conscience. So in some ways, if they were eating something and Peter had conviction, he could have like, with not participated in the eating. In Romans and other, in Corinthians, uh, Paul talks about these varying consciences and our convictions that, that, and these things that are in our left hand, 
that we might see differently, that we, su- we submit ourselves to one another and we kind of say, you know what, out of your conscience, I won't do this uh, because I don't want to offend you. What Peter did wasn't out of his own his his conscience that he was that he was convicted by God or or his his conviction for the from the word of God. We're told that his behavior adjusted because of the fear of man. So if we were to go back to Acts chapter ten, really the whole chapter of Acts chapter ten, it's the it's the scene where Peter, before he had met, been sort of like with the Gentiles. He had separated himself, but God gives him this dream. There were all these animals. God says, you know, get up and eat, kill and eat. And Peter says, no way, I've never, like, had any unclean thing touch my lips. And God tells him in this vision, like, no, everything's clean. Like, if it's from me, there's, there's no dietary restrictions. And so God showed him directly. He knew from God. His theology was right. His think, thinking was correct. It was his behavior that was wrong. And his behavior was wrong, not because he was fearing God, but because he was fearing man. Specifically, he was afraid of religious people. And, and this fear and wanting to sort of, uh, uh, you know, pacify or, or go along with these religious folks, Peter was acting incorrectly. And this is difficult. This is actually one area that I've been super thankful for, for COVID. COVID has forced me to push through some, some, some issues, of, uh, similar issues, where um, my behavior was adjusted part, maybe because of my religious upbringing in the Catholic Church where I had some sort of, you know, there, there no biblical reason, but I felt like I couldn't preach or participate in church in a certain way, or because of some religious people within our group that I felt like I had to adjust how I preached and handled myself. But when we started gathering again this summer, we started meeting it. Well, first we had the three different services. There was the online pre-recorded service, then we had three live services, and I was getting loopy during that. It was just backbreaking. It was it was a wonderful time, but the whole just kind of going through it. You you have to like what are the most important things? And then we moved outside, and then when it's like 120 degrees at 8 a.m. and people are still gathering, it's like well I'm not going to get dressed up and everything. So I'm, I mean I'm going to wear short sleeves. I'm going to have to wear shorts and even flip flops. Before, there was no way I could bring myself to preach in that sort of dress, but COVID sort of stripped of like, this is religion. This is not based on the word of God. Like I can, I, like I'm wearing jeans right now. Like I'm, like I, I have freedom to do things that I was sort of fearful of upsetting people. And COVID forced me to sort of work through those things. Early on during Thessalonians, I was so spent and so burnt out that I'm like, I needed to go back to my, my, like, uh, my, my first love translation of the NIV. And before I probably hadn't preached on the NIV because I had been sort of by religious folks sort of confronted about like, well, you can't use that translation. And so I, but, but during this season of COVID, it's like, no, I want to honor God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God desires. And so I see what Peter's fearing. I, I see how he struggled in this area, but Paul said that he confronted him. Verse 13, I mean, Peter's behavior during this time, during this visit in Antioch, 
uh, the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. So this word hypocrisy pops up twice. And hypocrisy, this word was used during that era, sort of uh, somebody that did a play on stage, and instead of uh, going into character, they had mask, and out from the mask would their voice come. And and so it's uh, it's kind of pretending to be something that you're not. And so Peter didn't believe what these Judaizers were saying, but he was playing the part of going along with it. And so he's going along with it, even though he actually disagrees with them and he doesn't agree with their thesis and their understanding of of justification, how an individual is right before God, yet he was playing the part. And in his playing the part, he'd led other people astray, namely Barnabas. Barnabas, the sweet guy who, uh, you know, he was he's just known as the encourager in the early church. And these people who have the gift of encouragement, they just so want to like to please people and to make people happy. Like I'm married to a Barnabas and and so I I, I, I the the tendency to make people happy. So I just see Peter doing his thing with the Judaizers. I see Barnabas saying, "Well, I'm not going to rock the boat. I want to make them all happy." And and then before you know it, he's being led astray because of of uh Peter's actions. And, and so our lives affect other people's lives. How you live your life matters. How you live your life um, affects how your kids see life, how people around you see your life. Like outside of COVID, I've always talked about the importance, uh, the, the total importance of church, like in being in fellowship. Long before COVID, I made a, a, a commitment to being in church, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. Back in the 90s, as a SEAL, I made a commitment. I need to be in church every single week. I'm going to be there. And, and I've, made, I've made that commitment to my life. I've, in my family, I've, I've modeled the importance of being in church and that we want to be in church. And, and for our children to see, no, on Sundays, we're in church with the body. Sports don't take a priority. We're not going to be at the baseball field on a Sunday morning missing church or a swim meet or you fill in the blank with some sort of extracurricular activity. These, when you do that, what it does is it models what your priorities are. And it, it, it contaminates. It's so often from parent to child, we say, oh, we're Christians and we really believe in this, but uh, this sporting event can supersede being in church on Sunday. Then is it like, well, is is being in church really a priority or like what like we end up modeling things that that go contrary to the word of god and this has happened with peter peter's doing this stuff and now it's affected barnabas and now this is a whole public display and paul has to confront peter publicly it can't be sort of in private it has to be public because peter is such a public figure and what he's doing is affecting everybody Verse 14, he continues, and he says, But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, If you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like the, the, the Jews? And so the first thing we see is this phrase, for the second time in, in the second chapter, is the truth of the gospel. Paul sees that Peter is not being straightforward with the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus loves you. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross. The wrath of God was placed on him on the cross, and he absorbed 
the wrath that was due us for our sin. He suffered and then he died. According to the scriptures, he was buried and then on the third day he rose from the dead. And he did this for us. And, and there was this, this exchange, if you've received it, it's a gift of grace, not by works. And so we hear the gospel, we respond by faith, and we, we live under grace. And so when he saw that Peter was distorting the straightforwardness, the simplicity of the gospel, he had to confront him. And he says, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles, he's basically saying, you are a Jew and you, you know you know this isn't true. How are you compelling the Gentiles then to do what you don't even do? The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, the response of Paul was electric. What Peter had initi- when what Peter had initiated created a public scandal and therefore deserved a public rebuke. Further, the defectors were not acting according to the truth of the gospel. That is, they were denying by their actions the truth that on the basis of Jesus's, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, Jews and Gentiles who believe are accepted equally by God. Peter therefore, Paul, excuse me, Paul therefore asked Peter before them all, if you are a Jew, do not live like a Jew, but like a Gentile. Why on earth do you try to make Gentiles live like Jews? It was a stinging rebuke. Peter's re- response is not recorded. He stood condemned. He was acting contrary to his own convictions, was betraying Christian liberty, and was casting a slur on fellow believers. Such behavior needed this severe reprimand. And so this is huge. This is, this is these two huge figures in the early church battling it out and Paul standing for the gospel. And as a religious guy, he understood the damage and dangers of religion and works. He goes on to say in this stinging rebuke to Peter, we are Jews by nature and not sinners from the Gentiles. Their sin doesn't contaminate us. We are sin by nature. We are Jews. We have the advanced courses. We understand the law. He says, nevertheless, knowing that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, since by works of the law, no flesh is justified. And so this this phraseology of justification, this is a legal term to be declared innocence before God. Swindoll says this, summed up by the simple truth, even those who are born Jewish know they could not be saved by keeping the law, but only by faith in Christ. The only way you could stand justified, the only way we can stand justified is through faith in Christ, what he did on our behalf. And in this passage, verses 15 through 16 there's some implied questions and answers. And so the implied question, the first one is, are there two tracks of salvation, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles? That's an implied question by what he's saying in these two verses. And the answer is absolutely not. There's only one track. Question two, implied question number two. Why did the Jews believe in Jesus 
if the law was already in place. So if the law was already in place, and this is what you need to do to be saved, why did all of the Jews respond to the gospel? Remember, the gospels are, are predominantly Jewish. I mean, this is, these are Jews who are responding to the gospel initially. And he's saying, if the, if the, why did the Jews respond if the law was already in place? If there was a system that you could be okay with God by obeying, why did Jews respond? And, and the implied answer is the law isn't effective for salvation. The law is totally useless to save somebody. It was never intended to save anyone. In fact, as we get through the book of Galatians, we'll see that the law is simply a schoolmaster to point us to Christ. It's to show you that you cannot get right with God on your own accord. A question or implied question number three, why is, it, why is a person justified, declared innocent by faith and not works? And the answer is implied. It is impossible to be justified through works. We do not have the capacity. Our righteousness is, we have none. God's holiness is so great and so vast and so huge. There is nothing that we can do to bridge that gap. There, there is nothing that we can do. The only way to be justified is through faith by God's grace to us. Verse 17, but if while seeking to be justified, but if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Far from it. Okay. So now he's going to another another angle of the same sort of line of questioning, uh, sort of anticipating what they're thinking, their response to him. And he's saying, but while seeking to be justified in Christ, he's saying, okay, we're justified by Christ. It's through faith alone. It's, it's God's grace that there's nothing that you do to earn this relationship with God. That in Christ, you respond to the gospel. You receive him by faith. You're declared righteous. That's being justified. You're justified before God. And so he's saying, we ourselves have also been found sinners. And he's saying, so what we're saying is that sinners respond to the gospel. Jesus saves you by his work on the cross. And so now we're saved sinners. Does that mean that we contaminate Christ, does that make him a servant of sin? This is the same argument that we looked at last week dealing with Romans 6. And he's he's saying, no, we don't contaminate Jesus by our sin, nor by the gospel of grace, we are not promoting sinful living. We're saying that we stand justified before God only on the basis of Jesus' work, not on our works. We have nothing that we can bring. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we stand justified before God. Verse 18, he transitions. Now it's interesting. As we finish up, he moves from we statements to then Paul goes to the I statements, which we'll look at. It's a Let's read it for verse 18. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a wrongdoer. 
For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. And so these, this, these next couple of verses are really difficult. I, um, I noticed that many commentators just skip them over. It always sort of, it always makes me sort of uneasy when commentators sort of leave uh, chunks of, of the, the, the scripture out. And it, it, it warns me that they're difficult to understand. But the first thing that we notice is this I. It's a shift from we. So from verse 18 to the end of the chapter, this I statement, it occurs 11 times uh, between here and the end. It's just interesting. Uh, Daniel Wallace, a, a great gr- Greek grammarian, says this. He says, the I makes it easier for the Galatians to identify with what Paul is saying here and to take warning from it. And so what he's saying here, for if I rebuild that which I once destroyed, he's talking about the law. Paul used to live under the law. He tells us in Philippians that according to the law, he was blameless. His whole life was structured around the law. But he said it's garbage, rubbish. I can't even use the word dung, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's human excrement. He said, it, not that the law was garbage, the system that he built around it was works. And so he, 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 he says it's done away with. I've destroyed it. I live by the grace of Jesus alone, that I've been crucified with him. This stuff is dead to me. I am now been crucified with Christ and I live with Christ. And so he says, if I rebuild what I once destroyed, he's talking about his old life in Judaism and bringing back the religion, which he thought made him okay with God. He says, if I rebuild once I want, rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself to be a wrongdoer. For through the law, I died to law. He's saying it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's meaningless. If I try to do that, I just am going to stand condemned. Paul writes in Galatians 5, 4, you have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. And that's exactly what he's saying here. If I try to rebuild the law and live by it, I'm going to be severed from Christ. And Christ is my only hope. And so if I do this, then I'm going to be condemned. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. He's like, it was God who saved me. It was his grace, and so therefore I'm living for him. I'm responding to what he's done. Verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is beautiful. This is his old life was dead to him. Now, I didn't come from a religious background, and I think those that came from more of a religious-based, works-based background, they could identify with Paul. When Paul says that he stumbled back into his old nature, his old nature was religion. I think of like carnal living, that my stumbling would be back into carnality. So I don't have this religious upbringing but he's saying, but, but to me, the carnal life is dead to me. That life was death to me. That life proved nothing to me. And so I'm going to live for Christ. If I, for those of you that had more of the religious background and you think that works and you have a propensity to kind of go that direction, this is what Paul is saying here. There was a Puritan by the name of William Perkins, and he put this this way. I thought this was beautiful. We are in mind and meditation to consider Christ crucified. And first we are to believe that he was crucified for us. This being done, we must go yet further. And as it were, 
spread ourselves on the cross of Christ, believing and with all beholding ourselves crucified with him. And it's like that picture of imagining Jesus on the cross and putting yourself up on his body with him and dying with him. That we are uniting ourselves with him. Verse 20 is so beautiful. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. I no longer live for myself. But Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, not by sight. And the Son of God, and describing the Son of God, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus loves you and he died for you. There's nothing that you can add to that. And when you experience this picture of Jesus, this this reality, it's overwhelming. Verse 21, he says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. He says, if you want to do what Peter was doing, or if you want to do what the Judaizers are doing, you're saying that righteousness comes through the law. And, and if that was the case, and he's not saying that was the case, he's saying, but if righteousness came through, through the law, then Christ died needlessly. If you could attain, if, if like the law brought about righteousness, then the whole Jesus dying on the cross was worthless. It was pointless. There was no need for it. But the reality is the law served as sort of a magnifying glass, as a litmus test to expose the sin that we all have. All it did was condemn you. It can't save you. And so to try to like live under the law, to try to live under a system of religion, it's worthless. So what do we do with this? I think the, the first thing that, that we find here is that we are accountable to God and his word. Like in this story, we see Paul confronting Peter. Peter, there's no rebuttal. He was wrong. He was confronted by Paul with the word of God. And so we're accountable to God through his word. We are also accountable to one another. And so there's an obligation in the Scriptures for us. I think this is why being together is so important because like, as we share life, we build trust and love and, and we're able to really express and communicate in ways that we can't do apart. But we're accountable to God and His Word. We're accountable to one another. We as a congregation and individuals need to remain committed to the truth. In this passage and in Galatians, the truth that we're committed to is, is the truth of the gospel. And in simplicity, the gospel is that Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. We are declared righteous by his work. It's by grace through faith. And so as we receive forgiveness for our sins, as we are brought into this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We're saved by His grace. We need to walk in His grace. We need to live by faith and trust Him. 
This world has nothing but fear and anxiety to offer, but in Christ there's, there's peace, there's hope. We don't have to be fearful. Your, your life is in God's hands. Your days have been numbered by Him. You can get the vaccine, you can get, not get the vaccine. You can, you can drive in a car, you can not drive in a car. You can fly in a plane or not fly in a plane. All, like, there are so many dangers involved in this world that, that you would drive yourself mad trying to protect yourself from all of the, the potential things that could go wrong in life. And I believe that fear, that anxiety is, is from Satan. God is a God of peace, and he's saying, I love you. I have, I've, like, I've numbered your days. I have created you from beginning to end. Walk with me, not in fear, but in trust. And so this is what I want in my life. This is what I want in your life. And I'm just so grateful as we sort of wrap up this year of COVID. I'm so grateful for all that God has done in my life. I'm so grateful for all that God has done and is doing in our church family. And with that, I'm going to close us in prayer. Father, we do thank you and praise you uh, for this day. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to see your word and all that it says and the implications in our life. We pray, God, that you would help us to, to, to live lives that um, understand your grace, that we understand the exchange that happened on the cross, that there was, a, uh, there was an exchange there, a substitute, that Jesus stood in our place. We thank you, God, that you, uh, through Jesus, have paid it all for us. Father, we ask that you would help us to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to you, that are pleasing to you, and we ask that you would help us to, to, to live faithfully, Lord. We pray that you would take away fear and anxiety that we have. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would um, really help us to honor you with our lives. Father, I pray for those that are separated from us, that you would comfort them as they're away. We pray that you would uh, bring them to a place where they feel comfortable and safe uh, to return uh, to the body, to fellowship in person. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen. All right, well, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and uh, just think of ways that you can praise God for this year and all that he's done. I, hope forward to see, I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you all.